Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors at Hope Lutheran Church here in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by one of my colleagues, Pastor Kevin Smith. Kevin, good to have you. Yes, and Kevin rhymes with heaven. <laughs> yes, it sure does, and uh, it's good to have Kevin on. Kevin, you are, you've been on staff here at Hope for a long time. You, 20 years. 20, 20 years, years yeah. and you are now in kind of a different role as yeah, a visitation been... pastor. That's been for how long now? It's about three years now. About three years. Yeah, I'm redeployed now. I'm not retired. I'm redeployed. Redeployed. So we're glad it's to visitation. have And I remember, you know, I've been here so long. Yeah. The Dead Sea wasn't even dead. It was just sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when, when, uh, when Ben was here, when you were here. Yes, as, as a, a kid. As a teenager, as a yes. kid with your family. That was just, yes. it's so neat to see what God is doing in your life and how he's brought you full circle. Yeah. That it's is fun. so exciting. It's amazing. And that's actually interesting because we're going to talk a little bit today about Samuel, a boy who was called to a life of ministry. And we mm-hmm. can talk about how that happened in your life and my life and uh, the ways that it happens, I think. In all lives. In all lives, yeah. really. Um, mm-hmm. A call to ministry. So, you know, wh- one of the things that we're seeing now is I stepped out today and I got hit by this fresh, full crisp air. Mm, Fall is upon us. Fall's in the air. Kevin, what's your favorite thing about fall? Well, as I drive around, I can't help but appreciate the color. The leaves are just so brilliant. And uh, I grew up out west, and we didn't quite have the same fall that you have out here in the Midwest. Mm. How is it different? We don't have the dramatic colors. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. We have so many evergreens out there. We don't have... Oh, sure. So it's, it's so nice to see all these varieties of colors and things. Yeah. It's and it's it's a time where I start now to think about pie. Yes. The fall. And yeah. I love a good pie. So we just had a, Priscilla had some apple pie this week at home. Oh, I just had my first <laughs> apple crisp of the season. It was With some fantastic. Ice cream. Yes. Doesn't get much better than that. So we have been walking through scripture. We've uh, heard lots of stories as we've walked through the the books of Genesis and we touched Exodus and we moved pretty quickly uh, on to Deuteronomy and uh, I think we hit numbers in there too. So skipping around a little bit, but following the story of Scripture, following this this narrative of God's creation and redemption of this world. And where we're going to touch down today is about the story of a young man whose name is Samuel. And I'm going to read to you from the third chapter of First Samuel, which is the beginnings of Samuel's story. And so we'll start there right at verse 1 of chapter 3. I'm reading from the New International Version, but of course you can read from any version you want. And if we have a little bit different... Different translations, it might help. I've got the New Living Translation I'm using, doesn't matter. No, it might help us discover something, right? So, 1 Samuel, chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. 
So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me, my son, Eli said. I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible. He failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear, to, appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as you heard that, Kevin, what, uh, what things did you notice or what questions popped into your head? Well, one of the things I, uh, I just want to lift up to everybody is, is the name Samuel. Hmm. We use that name. In Hebrew, it means God has heard or told by God. Hmm. Told by God. Samuel. And this story, Samuel 1, 2, and 3, has become really pivotal in my life because it's, it's my story. Hmm. It's my call to ministry. Hmm. And um, I have just found it always so, so powerful. Go back real quick, if you have time, mm -hmm. to yeah, look absolutely. at in, in chapter 1. Um, um, Samuel's mom, Hannah, and uh, in those days they had more than one wife, and so... Uh, um, her um, her husband had a, another wife, and, and she had children. But Hannah couldn't have any children. And she prayed year after year, Lord, I would just like to have a child. And the other woman, the other wife, was very jealous and made life very miserable for her. But, but um, uh, her husband always was kind, and he would help, help bring some extra food for her and that kind of thing. Um, 
Hannah was a woman of prayer. And Hannah's name in Hebrew means grace, grace. And so she was praying, Lord Almighty, in verse 11 of chapter 1, if you would look upon me and help me to get pregnant and have a child, I promise that I will give this child back to you. Hmm. You can have this child. Please let me have a child. And she prayed over and over again that, that prayer. God answered that prayer. And um, she did have a child. And Samuel was born, was born. And then at the end of chapter 1, verse 28, we read, Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord. And then in chapter 2 is this beautiful psalm of praise for that child. What's interesting, too, about Samuel 1, 2, and 3 are these thoughts also parallel Mary and mm -hmm. Joseph and Jesus in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Very much like that. In the same way, Mary, when she finds out what her child is going to be, she sings a, a song of praise. Song right? of like praise. In, like the Magnificat. Mm -hmm. Just like Hannah does. Just That's, like Hannah does. It's yeah. interesting, too, when you talk about, you know, you, okay, so Hannah makes this plea for God to hear her. Yeah. And God hears her. And then as Samuel gets older, Samuel hears God. Exactly. So there's something exactly. going on here with, with, with yeah. listening. The other interesting aspect about Samuel's life is that after uh, he is born, she and her husband give the child to Eli at Shiloh. He's kind of the, the main religious leader out there. And so he stays there. He's like a, uh, that's his home now. He's dedicated to God. Eli and his sons, they are there. And uh, Samuel just grows up learning about the faith and, and all that's uh, part of what that's going to mean. And... Uh, they come and visit Samuel once a year, and she would bring him new clothes to wear, <laughs> new outfit to wear. Mm -hmm. So by the time we get to chapter 3, which is what we're looking at tonight, or today, I should say, um, Samuel is, who knows how old, a young boy. And, uh, and I love that phrase in chapter 3, verse 1. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Hmm. It's almost as though they're feeling like you're living in a land that doesn't know God. Hmm. Far from God. Hmm. And uh, this book, Samuel, becomes pivotal because it is the foundation later on, we will see, for kingship with Israel, for kingship. And so Samuel is going to be the kingpin of how all of this takes place. One of the interesting stories that you read there is that dream. Mm -hmm. I think of uh, Elie Wiesel. He was a Holocaust writer and survivor of Auschwitz. And he would write in his work, he said, have you noticed in the Bible that when God wants to speak to someone, when does he do that? He does that in their dreams. Hmm. He does that in their dreams. And he said, why? Because that is when we are most alone. Hmm. That is when we are most alone. Hmm. So God speaks to this young boy, Samuel, in his dreams. And finally, uh, Eli reminds him, Okay, next time you hear this dream, answer it. <laughs> Respond. Um, sometimes in our dreams we think, well, I've just had some bad pizza or something like that. <laughs> but, but here is God speaking to this boy Samuel and preparing him for his work uh, to become a mighty agent of God. Uh, it's not a very pretty picture at the end. Eli and his sons are very... Uh, 
well, they're not very nice. An example of that, I go back to Second um, uh, Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 14. I always remind people, this is where the story and this is where the origins of church potluck dinners come from. <laughs> And the custom was people would bring their sacrifices and then they would cook them up and everything else like that. The priests would do that. And so um, while the meat was cooking one day in this, uh, in, in, at the sanctuary there, um, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. And while the meat of the sacrificial animal was still boiling in the water, the servant would stick the fork into the pot, demand whatever it is, be brought up and give it to Eli's sons. So that's mm. the origin of potluck. You know, you just... <laughs> You take a chance. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> no, you don't. So that's the church potluck origin. But anyway, his sons and all of that were, were disobedient to God. And, and they did not want to, uh, they did not want to, um, they weren't obedient to God. And so God was getting ticked off. But also at the same time, here's Samuel coming up to be used by God. God's people are frustrated. And they're saying, why can't we have a king like the other nations around us? Mm-hmm. We want a king. And God would kept, kept telling them, I'm your king. You don't need a king. Mm-hmm. And they would say, no, we want a king like the other nations have. We want a flesh and blood king. Finally, God relents. And he says, okay, if this is what you want, then you better be careful. Because here are some of the consequences. And he lists the downside yep. of having a king. Yep. So anyway, God prepares, God prepares Samuel for this moment in which he will be used uh, by God uh, to choose and to anoint the Israel's first king, who's going to be Saul later on in a few chapters. You'll read those. But it's a powerful story, and I relate to it this way in my own life. Um, my parents were married in 1944, August, hmm. during the war. And they were, uh, Dad was a midshipman at Columbia University in the Navy, and they... Uh, they met each other at the University of Washington in Seattle. Hmm. So by 1944, they got married. My mom and her mother, my grandma, came out on the train. They got tickets and got to New York. And they were married at Riverside Church in New York City, which had just been built at that point. The great preacher, Harry, Harry, um, Harry Fosdick, was pastor there. And this is an amazing time. Here's this whole midshipman class at Columbia University. On Sunday evenings, Dad said they would march over to Riverside Church for worship. So that's what, that was the connection to that yeah. church. And, and that was the connection because they would go there for worship. And, and they liked that church and they yeah. liked Harry Emerson Fosdick. Yeah. So uh, they decided to get married there. And so they were married at St. George's Chapel. Of course, it was during the war. And the, the chapel was... Uh, uh, a Navy chaplain did the wedding. They only had 15 minutes to get married. Really? 15 minutes. It was over. And then the next couple would come in. So they, uh, they got married, and they, uh, they celebrated that night and whatnot, and uh, had dinner and all that. And eventually, Dad, then shortly thereafter, and Mom shipped out for Miami, Florida, for further training before he was deployed to the Pacific. Well, they, Mom was with him for a few months, and, and uh, she got pregnant, had the birth of uh, my older brother, George. The war went on, and of course he got back safely, thank heavens. And then uh, mom was pregnant again. And she had, just as she was giving birth, something went wrong. Hmm. And, and so um, the baby was born, stillborn, was d- died, a little baby girl. 
And that just crushed my parents. Yeah, crushed all them. tragic. And it was seven years until I came around. Huh. And mom would pray this prayer that Hannah prayed in chapter one. And after losing that, that baby, that little girl, she prayed, oh, Lord Almighty, if you would look down upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a child, give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Hmm. And mom prayed that. Wow. It took seven years. It took seven years. Then I was born, Swedish Hospital in Seattle, Washington. And, and my birth was not exactly uh, uh, successful right away. And right then and there, I was having problems, and uh, the doctors weren't quite sure what to do. And, and mom, again, prayed that prayer that Hannah prayed. And she said, Lord, please just let this baby live. I've been, I was born, but I was having trouble. And she kept praying, and, and, and she made a bargain with God. And she said, I know I'm, spo- I'm not supposed to do that, but that's what I did. And all of this, I have to tell you, Ben, came out, this story, my junior year of college. I had just come home uh, from classes, and I said to Mom, Mom, I think I really want to be a pastor now. Hmm. I was going to be a teacher. So she didn't know this? No, I didn't know any of this. Oh, and to, you didn't know the I, story, the backstory? No, I didn't know the back. She knew it. And she, um, she said to me right away, she said, Kevin, sit down. I want to tell you a story. Wow. And then she began to tell me the story. Wow. Um, and so right away then, um, the doctors figured out what I needed was a hernia operation of all things <laughs> at that point. And I lived. Hmm. And, and... Mom's prayer, she said, was answered. But she never wanted me to know that hmm. because she didn't want to influence hmm. what I would be doing. It had to be my decision. She cried, I cried, and uh, the rest is history. Many, many years of ministry followed. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea all this was going on. And um, it's just, you know, the power of prayer, how God answers our prayer. And, uh, and how this is so similar to what my life was like. That is amazing. So what, what made you change from wanting to be a teacher to being a pastor? I think it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then that story that mom shared, that was yeah. just an... Op- that solidified That was whatever. the confirmation. Yeah. yeah. What mom went through, and it was so difficult for her. And she laid there in the hospital and was just praying to God, let that baby live, let him live, don't let him die. And... Um, the doctors were able to help me, and uh, I healed and been here ever since. So I mean, to me, that was a very powerful call from God. Um, and isn't it amazing how when someone like your mother carries Scripture in their hearts, yeah, it gives them a framework to see their own life exactly. and to have the words to pray even when you wouldn't know what no. to do or say or pray? She knew this story. She yeah. knew this story so yeah. well because it, it was her life right there. Yeah. And, yeah, God gave her the words. And she said, I remember her saying to me, she said, I remember, I'm not supposed to bargain with God. <laughs> if, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. But, but she said, I was desperate. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we get to that place, She was we? desperate. And, uh, and that was one of the, the results that I... That I, is an amazing story. Wow. Changed your life. It changed my life, yeah. And I think that... Uh, um, you know, God is still speaking to our hearts and minds. He still speaks to us. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You know, this. so in chapter 3, Samuel, as you said, has God speaks to him in these dreams, this mm-hmm. voice. Um, and what I find so interesting about this story, so compelling and so important probably for us to listen to, is to to realize that without another person, without Eli, Samuel had no idea who was speaking to him. Exactly, yeah. And that's why it's so important that we live out our lives of faith together. In community. In community, because it gives us the, you know, iron iron sharpens iron, and and we help each other find the way and the path, and and Samuel wouldn't have found it without... And to think that Samuel, this young boy, was literally dedicated to the Lord at Shiloh. The temple wasn't built yet. This is Shiloh. This is a sanctuary spot. And, um, And he grew up there. Shiloh. He didn't stay with his family anymore. The family would come and visit him. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing opportunity uh, how God works in Samuel's life here at this point. Um, It's just a very important story. As I think of my own calling into ministry, I think of all the different, and it wasn't just one person, but it was many different voices that helped me discern what God's voice meant. Exactly, exactly. You know, people that People like Eli, who who helped make that clear for me. Kevin, do you think that, you know, you've talked about your calling into ministry. We're looking at Samuel's calling to speak the Word of God in a world that needed to hear it, in a place where the Word of God was rare. Uh, We've talked a little bit about um, just the importance of those voices. Does everybody have a calling on their life? Does God call everyone to something? Absolutely, absolutely. And this was, I think, one of the major contributions of the Reformation that Martin Luther provided. Hmm. Because up to that point, we were very much like, like Samuel. There were priests, whether it's Old Testament or later on New Testament priests. And that was your calling. That was, your, that was the most high honor that you could have, that you would be a priest uh, or a monk even. And, and, and that was uh, the defining moment. Luther wrestled with God's word in the New Testament, and uh, he developed what we call today in, in, in the church the priesthood of all believers. That, uh, and he proclaimed that all of us are called by God by virtue of your baptism. Hmm. By virtue of, that's your call. That's your call. And, um, I, you know, I love these words of Luther when he said, you know, every occupation has its, has its own honor before God. And um, ordinary work is a divine vocation or a calling. In our daily work, no matter how important or mundane, we serve God by serving our neighbor. We also participate in God's ongoing providence for the human race. And I think those words are so powerful. We are ordained by God, and his ordination was for everybody. And your calling then was to be um, maybe a pastor, Maybe a priest, that's fine. But equally important is to be the best plumber you can mm-hmm. or the best carpenter or the best mm-hmm. teacher you can. Mm-hmm. That's your calling. That's, that's what God has placed you in your life so that you can serve God, love God, and use the gifts that he has blessed you with. So that was uh, an important terms of uh, redefining what it meant to have a call from God. Uh, the Latin word we use for that is vocatio. A vocation, we get that word. And it's not just a priest, but each, uh, each of us has a calling by virtue of our baptism to be the very best, as I said, plumber or baker or teacher or doctor or whatever that you can. 
Um, and those are the most uh, powerful uh, words that we can have, that we can have expressed. I think it was Luther who said a good, sh a good shoemaker doesn't, a good Christian shoemaker doesn't put crosses on their shoes. They just make good shoes. shoes. Exactly. Right? We're exactly. called to, to do something, to do it well for the sake of the kingdom of God. Um, and so, you know, for folks who are listening, who are thinking, boy, I don't know if I'm called to serve God in the place where I'm at. Absolutely. All of us yes, are. Absolutely. Yeah. To, wherever we are to serve, to serve God. And, and if you're, if you're wondering if God is speaking to you, the answer is probably yes. Yes. <laughs> and maybe Sam, just as Hannah's prayer became your mom's prayer, maybe Eli's prayer, or the prayer that Eli tells Samuel to pray should be ours, which comes in verse 9 of chapter 3, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Yes. And, and think about that. His, he was just a kid. Yeah. And God is speaking to him, and he's praying like this already as a kid. It's amazing. It is. Yeah, and so Samuel's job then is to pray that prayer and to wait. And to and wait. to listen. Yeah, and you'll see later on, of course, it comes pretty quick. Samuel is going to be lifted up, and he's going to be busy, used by God to anoint Saul. To yes. Be the first king. To and, be this, the first king. and you had mentioned this before. This is a very interesting place in the story of Scripture because... Uh, we've just covered the book of Ruth, which is an absolutely beautiful story. Mm -hmm. It um, is. But before the book of Ruth, Ruth is sort of this little slice that comes in between Judges and Samuel. And Sa uh, Judges ends with these words, in those days Israel had no king. Mm -hmm. Everyone did as he saw yeah. fit. And so the climate that that Samuel is living in is this, is this one where people are doing what they want and they don't have a king and then they realize, well, maybe we want a king so we can be like everybody else uh, and then God will give them some kings, kings after those warnings and some of those kings are good and some so of those kings are not so great. And, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, and, and then the kingdom that they build will actually fall and they will be conquered and they will realize we need a <laughs> Messiah. We do. Yeah, we do that. There is another little line, too, in, uh, in chapter 3 that I, I find kind of disturbing or kind of frightening, really. It's in verse 14. And uh, God is talking about, about Eli and his sons, how bad they were and how wicked they were. They didn't follow God's direction. Mm -hmm. And verse 14 says, So God says, I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. That's a scary thought. To realize that our sins can never be forgiven. That somehow there is a roadblock and that we are condemned by our sins and by our disobedient. So it, it becomes even more important that Christ becomes the vehicle through which all our sins are forgiven. All our sins are washed away and made clean. Uh, that's a very depressing verse. Yeah, and if that was the last verse of the book, Oof. of the story, if that was the end of the story, yeah. it would be a very sad one. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we won't know till we get to heaven ourselves. I'm going to ask God himself, well, I hope you took care of Eli and his sons. <laughs> I hope you found a way to be merciful to them too, hmm. because that was, uh, that was a very frightful phrase. But it's typical in, a, in the land where they didn't hear God's word, they didn't understand God's word. It was vacant, it was absent. And people are clamoring for some sort of affirmation 
that God was involved, that God mattered, and that he was helping our lives become better. It's just a very, very scary thing. Yeah, that, that it is. And I think of Samuel, and I'm trying to find where it says this, but it's talking about verse 7. You know, even though Samuel is here living in this sanctuary, he's ministering. It says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Yes, he's still young. He hadn't been introduced to him. Yeah. That's he gets what's so a, amazing. He gets an introduction, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and God spoke to him directly. And, and think about how maybe God is speaking to someone who's listening right now. Maybe, as I say, when I was younger, when confirmation time, I, I, I would tell kids, sometimes you might be the only Bible a kid at school will, will know or see hmm. by the way you live, hmm. by the words you speak. You might be the only Bible that they will know. They won't read it, but they might experience it through you, through your actions. And, and, and this is what, what God is really working through Samuel preparing him there he doesn't know the lord but he's going to see the example of what that means very soon in his life that's so encouraging for us to think of this promise that god speaks to us but also through us through us yeah and he will oftentimes bring people in our lives that we don't expect or that we don't know and how they can have such tremendous impact upon us later on unbelievable unbelievable my mom had no idea what she had unleashed when I was born <laughs> uh, until that junior year in, in college. Can I tell you a funny little story about that? Yeah. I, was, I went to Seattle University, uh-huh. which is a Jesuit university. And so it was my senior year. I was getting ready to graduate, and I was just finishing one of my senior exams, and this girl and I came out of the classroom. We were just talking, and we had some small talk. It was a beautiful sunny day outside. And we were asking each other, what are you going to do? And uh, what, what's your future? And I said to her, well, I think I'd really like to go to seminary. And she just, whoa, what is this? <laughs> Here I'm at a Catholic university. Oh, yeah. And she thought that I was going to be a priest. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and then I tried to reassure her, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm Lutheran. I can get married. <laughs> and that was even worse. <laughs> I'll never forget that conversation. Oh, that's funny. And uh, we both laughed a little bit after that. But it, I did. I went on to seminary yeah. after that. It was amazing, all because of this conversation with my, with my mom. What do you hope that the people who hear the story of Samuel would remember? God still speaks. God still speaks powerfully in our lives, and that's what's so beautiful. That's what's so beautiful. And the hardest part is listening. The hardest part is just hearing. How do you listen? Um, I listen a lot through music. Hmm. I put music on. Um, Priscilla reminds me every so often to turn this phone off and computer. Gets in the way. Gets in the way. And uh, I spend my time, you know, each morning just in Scripture. My my Bible, my my vow is to read through the Bible once a year. Hmm. And I use different translations, so I get a fresh word. I'm reading the message version right now. But um, I just pray that, um, that God, you can still speak. And even though I'm, over the years, I'm still able to do something and to contribute to your kingdom glory. Um, so I think just, you know, reading God's word, um, talking to people is so important. Just visiting with people. And, uh, and that becomes such a, I think, a, and a powerful tool 
I was visiting with one man several years ago before he died. And his death was coming very quickly. And he knew it. We talked about it. In fact, we had a little joke about it. And I said to him, Bob, I said, when you get to heaven, can you put a good word in for me with the Lord? <laughs> he said, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So you got to have a sense of humor about it, all this. Yes, There's God who listens and God who cares. God is aware and he cares. And yes. It helps. It helps. Of course. Well, maybe that's the challenge then for all of us today is to take a moment, a few moments, to stop what you're doing, to close the screen, and to speak the words that Samuel speaks. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then pause and listen. And just see. And see. Mm -hmm. And he will speak. That is the promise. Folks, thank you for joining us today. And Ben. Yes. Remember, God loves you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. <laughs> yes, I will remember that. And all you folks out there can remember that too. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you again, Kevin, for, you bet. for being with us. And thank you for your insights in this uh, story of, of Samuel and, and the promise of God that he will speak in our lives. We're back again next week, folks. We'd love to have you share this with the people that you know. We'd love to have you... Uh, subscribe and, and give us a rating. If you want to know more about Hope Lutheran Church, visit us at fargohope.org. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted. Amen. <laughs>